You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey, thanks for joining me for episode number 63 of Life Repurposed. This week, I have speaker and author Sue Donaldson with me as we chat about what God's been doing in her life, and she shares some helpful resources for all of the listeners. Sue and her husband, Mark, live in California, and Sue taught high school English part of that time in Brazil with Wycliffe Bible Translators and part of that time in the U.S. Sue and her husband, Mark, have raised three daughters who keep them at the bank and on their knees. She loves connecting people to one another, to God, to his word, and she's been speaking for the last 20 years or so with long pauses for babies, diapers, and soccer pasta parties. She blogs at Welcome Heart, Knowing and Showing the Heart of God, and she hosts a weekly podcast called Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life. I'll be on her podcast sometime in 2021. We've already recorded that episode, but today I invite you to listen in as I interview Sue and we talk about her life. Welcome Sue Donaldson to Life Repurposed. I'm happy to have you here chatting with me today. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's great to be here. So we met sort of randomly not that long ago. Uh, We were both working on a launch team, I think, for a book that was coming out. And we reached out, was it on Instagram? You reached out to me, which I so appreciated that there was a fellow podcaster uh, on the launch team. It was for Holly Gurth's new book. Oh, yes, for the introvert book. So I had reached out to a few people that week because I just love to look at people's bios and stalk them just a little bit when we're on (laughs) a platform together. And so I did see podcaster in your bio. So Sue is a podcaster. We'll be talking about that at the end of this episode. I'll make sure that we have that as a resource because you have how many episodes have you published now? Uh, About 52. So it's been about a year. Yeah. Exactly, 52 weeks. And uh, Bob Goff was number 50, which I thought was kind of fun because <laughs> he's uh, fun. famous. And uh, I was terrified, but he, of course, was fabulous. And I, I noticed that it was 50. Uh, yeah. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a great thing to celebrate. Yeah, that's fun. So mm-hmm. I'll make sure we talk about it at the end because I do think that is an important part of your story. And also, your your story really ties into repurposing really well. So let's talk a little bit about what God's been doing in your life. So you had mentioned something about how God helped you to find treasure in your singleness. I'd like mm. to know a little bit more about that story. Hmm. Well, I didn't always think it was a treasure. <laughs> I thought it was a, a dark mine at times. Um, but because I uh, I didn't get married till I was 35, but when you're 25, you don't know that you're going to get married at 35. Mm-hmm. And when you're 15, you just think you're going to get married. Like, not everybody. Not everybody cares about getting married. But I did. Um, my dad surprised me, I think, after my sophomore year in college. He says, I'm surprised that you're still in college. I go, why, dad? And he goes, well, because you're so boy crazy. I go, oh, I am? <laughs> I, you know, you, it's not funny how we don't see ourselves the way our parents do. But now that I'm a parent, I get it. And, uh, but I didn't want to just settle, you know, I ended up having a great single life and you don't want to mess it up because, you know, marriage is not the end all for everybody, Christians and non-Christians alike. (laughs) We won't go there, but, um, 
I felt like God had to teach me, and it's just me, I'm not saying God works the same way with everybody, Mm -hmm. that he was enough and that he wanted to be valued for himself, not just for his blessings. Mm -hmm. I think our Father God loves uh, giving us blessings. I really do. But um, really the best for me, the best preparation for marriage was learning that God was my all in all. Do you understand that, how that yeah. works? Because we can go into marriage, especially right out of high school or college, and think, I think there's something in women that is, maybe not everyone would agree with me, that is a natural dependence where we just fall, you know, like, why don't you take out the trash? Or why don't you make all the money? And and yet when they interfere with our wants, then we don't like that. <laughs> like, I remember asking my husband, I remember asking my husband, I wish that you would... Uh, involve yourself more in disciplining the kids. So he did, but I didn't like the way he did it. So <laughs> it's like I had to back off. But um, my point is, is that I really longed to be part of someone's life for the rest of my life. Maybe not that day, but when I would get older, I didn't want to grow old mm-hmm. alone, but I, I had to wrestle with it alone with God. There were many uh, mascara, uh, mascara on my sheets when I would mm-hmm. cry, cry or when I thought someone was going to be um, someone who I was going to marry. I didn't date a lot because I was picky. And I, um, you know, the older you get, the more independent you get. He's repurposed it so much so that when I tell young women when I got married and they're the women who, and they're women who want to get married, they go, you're my inspiration or you're my hope. And I go, well, I'm not really your hope. The story is God's, but he has repurposed any pain for me to be a better wife, number one, and then for me to share my story with others. Did you have any time during that where you questioned his wisdom or questioned his path? Oh, yeah. I think that's normal. I think we're, I think we're allowed to ask questions of God because that's shown in scripture all over the place. And he can handle all my questions. I mean, I went through deeper things than that. I, I lost my faith for a year and a half. Tell me more about that. That was a deep time of struggle. I had nothing to do with singleness. Um, well, actually, I was in a Christian college. And all of a sudden, I realized one day that I thought, well, what if this is not true? And what if I was, I'm only believing in God because my parents raised me to believe in God? And that was very, very uh, unsettling, to say the least. I felt a little bit like I was cracking up and I didn't want to tell anybody because the, the one friend I told, she started doubting after that. And I thought, I don't want to be responsible for a mass exodus out of this darling little <laughs> Christian school I was attending. And um, I went ahead and I, I uh, put on a show of believing and I was actually, I was a singer at the time and I was in a gospel team and we would go around and sing at uh, places to tell testimony of who God was. But it wasn't until that summer of my sophomore year, I was up in the state of Washington, which is so gorgeous, probably like Wisconsin, where you are. And I would go, I would sing at the gospel chapel, whatever. And then I would go by myself up into the mountains. And you know, uh, Michelle, I'm an extreme extrovert, but God speaks to me when I'm alone. And I think that's true for everybody. And I was out there looking at the stars and I thought, okay, I'm not sure God exists, but I cannot deny that he created these stars because down in LA where I'm from, we didn't see stars very often, except, you know, the Hollywood version. 
Um, but to see them up in the sky as so, and I'm not a science major, so I didn't get all that stuff. I would just probably pass notes during biology with the boys. But I did realize that when I was staring at those stars, that my faith was basically hanging on by a star. And I thought, okay, I cannot deny uh, Creator God. And then shortly after that time, I was uh, taking a walk with an older, wiser woman. And you know, Michelle, I love to speak about mentoring, but that will have to be another broadcast. And I didn't know her that well, but I knew she was safe. And you know the difference between someone who's safe and not safe with your questions. And this was so deep that I'm almost crying right now. And I'm old. I'm 68. But I was probably 20, 20 or 21. And I said, um, while we were walking, I couldn't look her in the face. So it was glad, I was glad it was night and I was walking straight ahead. That's what's so good about walking alongside of someone. You don't have to stare them in the yes. face. Yes, that's and great. I this, and I had this big thing in my throat, you know, where you just don't want to cry. And so I said, Mrs. Duncan, and she she didn't respond. I said, it took me a while. I said, I have doubts. That's all I said. And she said, oh, so everyone doubts. <laughs> that was news to me. I mean, she was a practical woman. I go, they do. But Michelle, that was such a huge relief to me that I wasn't alone in my doubts. You know, I might doubt, but I'm not by myself. And so that was step two. So first it was the stars. Then it was Mrs. Duncan telling me that I wasn't alone. And, you know, it's one thing to fall. Um, and as Ecclesiastes says, you fall, but you don't, you don't want to fall alone. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was not falling alone then. Yeah. And then um, in the fall, so I still doubted all summer. Again, I was walking with my favorite English professor, Mr. Hills, he doesn't want me to call him Mr. Hills anymore. He's still living. And I got to give this whole talk to his college. He's, he teaches up in uh, Oregon. But I said, Mr. Hills, I know exactly where we were standing. And I stopped him. I said, I have doubts. And he said, Sue, God would not be a big enough God if he could not handle our questions. Would he? Just like that. Hmm. And then he kind of chuckled and kept walking. And I, I was like, that was so profound to me <laughs> that he was big enough for my doubts. I'm sure Job went through that because he asked so many questions. I'm no Job. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that, okay, that was huge. So that was kind of claiming the greatness of God in that simple statement. And I have to tell you, Michelle, Mr. Hills reads my blog. He has no recollection of that story, no <laughs> recollection, which also has to do with mentoring because we don't really know how we uh, impact other people. And then yeah. the fourth one um, was in chapel. I heard the familiar scripture in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I thought, well, that's what I want. I want mm -hmm. faith. And so even though I'd read the Bible, of course, all the time in my, in my classes and in the quiet time. But I just was on a mission to reclaim my faith. And so over a period of another, I would say four to five months, I was reading my Bible a lot just so I could have faith. Hmm. And God was faithful to me in my stupid doubts and um, in my immaturity. And one, it wasn't like one day 
like when I lost it, it was over a period of time where I go, oh, now I believe because God has given me faith, not because my parents taught me. Now, I don't belie parents who teach their children faith because that's what I've tried to do as well. But when my kids are not always following the straight and narrow, which we won't talk about here today, I think they are on their own faith journey and I need to trust God that he's doing a work that I don't see. But to this day, my parents never knew that I went through that. But I ended up teaching high school in a Christian school and I told that story every year because I wanted those students to feel free to ask questions. That's awesome. There are a thousand things that as I listen to you tell that, okay, not literally, but I like to exaggerate a lot. But there are so many things in what you said that resonated. Um, One, the walking alongside is so important. It's why I love to have conversations in the car. I lived in rural Wisconsin Mm. areas as my kids were growing up. And everywhere you go involves a 40 minute car ride. Getting groceries is 40 minutes. Mm. It's just how it is. I loved that because riding alongside of a teenager, they will talk and share some things that we cannot do face to face. That's too intimidating. So Mm. that even conversations with my husband happen in the car often side by side. That resonated with me. When I would go to Bible study with my husband, the kids were also invited, and I would always like it when they didn't come because my husband and I would have that chance to talk. But also, I was kind of selfish at times. I thought, I want someone to help me with carpool to school Mm -hmm. until a friend told me, oh, no, I would never give up that time with just my kid in the car. Yeah, because they will sometimes share, especially even from the backseat when they can't yes. see your face at all. They'll share something shocking sometimes. But the other thing you were talking about was that idea of expressing our doubt and expressing things for real. And I think that's something that I want to make sure that we call attention to here because that's the Christian life is being real. And too often we think that the Christian life is this idea of how perfect we look on the outside, that we're somehow this pinnacle, like an example for other people to follow. And really, it's about expressing what's on our heart, wrestling through it. That imperfect side of it is what I've discovered now, and I didn't know that when I was in my 20s. So thank you for sharing that vulnerable part of your story, because I love that. Let's talk about some solutions. We've already sort of alluded to some of that, but let's talk about how you started to first see hope in your struggle after those four steps that you went through. What happened in your life then when you said, I know God is real and this I want to walk this out by studying his word? What, what happened next? Well, I was grateful to be in this small Christian school environment. I love my college. And I just continued to, um, you know, we grow up between 18 and 22, whether you're in college or in a workplace. And I think through that maturing, I I would hear different missionaries uh, from the field. And I thought, well, I really want to give my life completely to God, no matter what. And, um, And so, and so I did. And I thought, well, I don't see myself as a woman preacher, but one way I could serve him full time would be to be a missionary kids teacher. So I majored in English, went on to get my teaching credential, and I applied to two mission boards. Funny enough, they both wrote back and said, oh, no, you're you're not experienced yet as a teacher because going abroad, teaching and living abroad is is hard. 
and teaching is hard. I had no idea about either one. And so they said, come back in two years. And I thought, well, here I am willing to give my life to God and they don't want me. So um, I, I started teaching at a Christian school and I loved it so much, but it was really overwhelming, especially the first year. And you're constantly working at your job. Mm-hmm. Plus, I realized through that time how much I loved high school students. And that's mentoring right there because they will listen to you when they won't listen to their parents. And so when I had my own children, I said, Lord, I still pray for people, quality adults to come alongside of them, to pour into them, maybe in a very casual, informal manner, because they don't want to listen to me. And um, and so through that time, God led me those four, I taught four years, I, ha- I taught freshmen, so I wanted to see them graduate. But sure enough, I met with a, I went with Wycliffe Bible Translators. I don't know if you're familiar with them. And I applied and they gave me five positions. I could have, I could have taught in five different schools around the world. And they wanted me to teach in an American embassy school because I knew how to handle a classroom. Well, it's a good thing they hadn't seen me teach my first year. But by the time (laughs) they came to observe me, I was pretty good. Or, you know, you just gain confidence. You fake it till you make it. (laughs) And so they offered me a position at the, Escola Americana de Brasilia, and I got to live. And they also, I'm from a kind of a ritzy area. We were not ritzy, but the area was ritzy. And because the Escola Americana, you you have um, parents who are with embassies and high up in the military, like I had generals kids and I had ambassadors kids, as well as missionary kids. And um, so they thought I could handle myself well. Again, fake it till you make it. But I just loved it. And I taught school in Brasilia, Brazil for two years then. So I feel like God took me a long ways from that time of questioning, though during that time too, I still was questioning his will for me. I was willing, I had to go through a time of a surrender more than, I think that's another thing we need to share. You surrender more than once. You surrender every day. I mean, I was just talking to a friend recently who had a big disappointment, but she wrote to me in the email. She said, it's a new day and I'm trusting God. And I think that's a beautiful mantra. We could have a whole podcast called that. It's a new day and I'm trusting God because we have disappointments and we, ha- we get stuck and blah, blah, blah. We know all that stuff. But I had to surrender over and over again my singleness and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And when I went back to the mission field the second time, I called, uh, actually, I was talking to the director of Wycliffe, and I go, you know what, I may never get married if I join again. He goes, oh, you have enough faith for that. I said, well, give me five minutes so I can work up that faith. But you just just take the next step. All of us have faith things. You take the next step, and then the next step, and then all of a sudden, you realize, hey, I guess I trusted God through that, and he came through for me. Yes. Yeah, it's a progress. We are not, we've not arrived. What's God doing in your life right now? Glad you asked that. One thing he showed me, I think it was about two weeks ago. I've been knocking on the door of speaking more because that's my real joy, even more than writing and um, even more than podcasting. And uh, of course, everything was canceled just about through COVID. And the Lord just spoke to me, not audibly, but he, he said, you are knocking on this door and I'm coming in the back window and you're ignoring me. And so I turned around and the back windows, I've been writing a lot of articles that are getting published for the Joyful Life magazine and uh, Oh Wondrous Life, Oh Wondrous Grace Chronicle, great, great magazines. And my, my daughter has asked me, you know, you need to branch out and do more. 
writing is a lot of work and I enjoy it. But um, like next week, my whole week is blocked off for writing because there's a deadline and I enjoy it. And I, there's no guarantees, you know, that it'll be accepted. But I feel like maybe that's one way to leave a legacy because people will forget what you say. Like I spoke last week to a group down in Southern California and they seem to be engaged. I'm hearing good comments, but they're going to forget if they haven't already everything I've said. But if you have something that's written, at least my great grandchildren, if, if the Lord uh, tarries, can pull it out perhaps underneath a bed somewhere like Emily Dickinson's books and our writings were in shoe boxes and say, oh, grandma trusted God for this. So that's what he's doing. Yeah, we're both writers. So we share that in common and using the mediums that are given us. So podcasting, speaking, writing, it's almost as if it's I'm going to take those opportunities because each one that we close the door to might be an opportunity to share the gospel, to speak truth into somebody's life. But then we were talking before we started recording today about how crazy that makes life. Sometimes God calls us to do things that uh, take us to places where life is way too busy and crazy. So how have you found some balance with that? Well, this is the craziest day today because I have... um someone I meet with a couple times a year coming for lunch on my porch at 11. And then speaking of high school teaching, a former cheerleader, I was cheerleader sponsor. She was 17 and I was 23 when I knew her. She's coming at two. So she'll be here from two to five. So that's five hours of chatting. And then I'm a guest on another podcast at 645 tonight. Well, it's a good so this, thing you're an extrovert, right? Yeah, it, it <laughs> is. But it's a, I, it did keep me awake the other night because I think I'm going to forget something. But, uh, but I met with my mentor. I've had a mentor for about 25 years. And I knew what I was going to talk to her about on Monday. And I said, I think the Lord is calling me to cut back on some of my platform type ministry because there's so many women right now who want to sue can you take a walk well no I can't you know sue can we get together actually can I in two weeks I said that to a friend on Sunday I can do it in two weeks so that's one thing and she totally agreed because someone had asked me to mentor them and I she lives in Southern California and I had to say no um and I think there's something sacred about no which is good so that's Mm -hmm. answer one question is to feel free to say no and then the other thing is I was talking to my sister yesterday and I said, I, I feel like I need um, like a sabbatical from all this. And so in two weeks, I'm not going to let anything be on my calendar for just like maybe two days and read some books that I haven't been able to read and restore my spirit because the workflow comes out of resting in Christ. It's not the other way around. So anyway, I like to be busy. I don't want to be bored and sit around. But I want to be ready for what God really wants me to do. Yeah, that's really insightful. The idea that we do have to say no to some things. We can't do all the things. So it really is trusting God's wisdom and saying, is this something you want me to do or is this for somebody else? I don't do as much of the one-on-one. And I know mentoring is a big part of what you do, Sue. So let's talk about resources that you have. Let's talk about your podcast. And you're also a writer. So tell us about the special that you have going on right now with your resources. Oh, yeah. All my digital products are 25% off for two weeks for friends and family, which you all are now. And uh, so you can look on my shop, Welcome Heart 
Shop.com shop. And I um, started by speaking and writing mostly about hospitality because uh, it seems to be a huge need more in America than in other countries, actually, I've noticed. And women are not uh, confident. So my products started off and my speaking started off a lot about just enabling someone in a good way. You know, try it with a friend. You know, this tip here will help you. Here's a simple recipe. And uh, my favorite is the conversation starters because I don't like to be bored. And I don't, I like talking to you, Michelle, because you talk about deep things. But, you know, I don't want to just talk about where my kids went to school the last time I had measles or something like that. I want to talk about something that will bring the conversation to a level of intimacy where you can introduce Jesus because that's why we're here. So hospitality, moving into mentoring. So, oh, you asked me to talk about my products. Okay, I have a hospitality book, which has over 60 recipes. And the main thing about hospitality, Michelle, is that it reflects God's heart. It's not... Pinterest or Martha Stewart. It's how if we open our lives, even during COVID, trying to find new ways to do it, it's a way of displaying the opening and the welcome of God. And so people say, well, I don't know God. He's just out there. I go, no, if you know that I am welcoming you into my life, that's how God wants you only even a hundredfold more. And it doesn't mean it's easy though. So um, that's why I put the two together. The last time I spoke, the morning session was hospitality afternoon session was was mentoring because to me they all go together so uh, I have books like print books and then I have conversation starters uh, that are digital and then I have a hospitality course which is expensive but right now it's 25% off which is video which are videos and it'll walk you through how to become more hospitable yeah I will link to that in the show notes great, and great, listeners great. can find that at michellerayburn.com slash sixty three so I will have a link to that with the coupon code to use for the twenty five percent off, which is good through the end of October right This will air before that ends, so you'll be able to get that. Also, I will have a link to Sue's website and lastly, I'd like to know a little bit about your podcast okay um it started because I was going to write a new book and then someone suggested I speak instead because it's hard to hold still and write a new book. And I've written three and I'm thinking, oh, do I have to write a new book? But this is how it started. A friend of mine who's a little older than myself was sharing about his mom was beginning to lose her um, faculties. And he was sharing it as a prayer request. And I said, well, Dan, how old's your mom? And he said, 87. And well, my folks lived till 97. So, but I thought, well, that's kind of normal at 87 to start losing your faculties. And at the time, I was 66, soon to be 67. So instead of like thinking about praying for his mom, I immediately started thinking about myself. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I only have 20 years left, maybe, of cognitive viability, where I could even spell cognitive viability or even say or even know what that means. So I started inviting uh, women that I respected and knew to my house for coffee and I would ask them questions about what is it that you want to be known for? Uh, what's your legacy? How do you make your life count right now? Um, there's several scripture passages on, you know, living in the unseen. You know, we're, we're building into a future that we don't see yet. It's all about faith, yes. But don't wait till you're 87 to think about what you want to be known for. And not that you want to be known for being a super Christian, but what are you pouring into now? It's like living on a rock instead of sand. You know, how are you living on a rock right now? 
And so I've interviewed uh, people from age 25 on up because I think young people need to know that what they do today matters. Don't wait till you're married. Don't wait till you made a million dollars. Don't wait till you have children. Don't wait till the children leave the house. You make your life a legacy today. So I talked to you about that and you'll be coming out in April. I can't even think of a better way to wrap this up than with that, that whole idea that what you do today matters. So listening to God, he's repurposed your life numerous times. He's sent you in different directions. But ultimately, it comes down to that idea of living to glorify him. Mm -hmm. Even in the doubting that was happening, even in the questioning it was happening. I appreciate you sharing your story, Sue. Is there anything else you'd like to leave listeners with as we wrap up? Two things that the name of the podcast is called Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life. And I said that uh, in the present tense as a good English teacher would know what that was Um, because we're living it now. And secondly, I love to speak and I have eight retreat series because I'm doing it so long. I have a lot and then uh, about 15 keynotes. So once things start opening up again, Uh, contact me through my website, welcomeheart.com. And I'd be happy to talk to you about the theme of your group and how I can encourage your women. Thanks so much, Michelle. Yeah, thanks for being here. It was a delight to talk with you. Vice versa. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I enjoyed chatting with Sue. I have a couple of guests coming up in upcoming episodes, so you want to make sure to go ahead and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite platform for podcasts so that you won't miss any of those episodes. And while you're here, check out the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 63. You'll get links to the resources that Sue talked about and also that discount, which is only good through October 31. So you want to get that right away. Have a great week. See you next time. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.